Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Good morning to you. I'm Andy. Kind of weird. If you look outside, you go, hey, it's going to rain and it's cold. Well, it's probably not going to rain, and it's definitely not cold out there. Uh, thanks again for tuning in today. Zach Renston with me for a few minutes via the telephone, and then Carrie's going to join us here in studio as well. Zach, how's it going out there? Good. It's, I think it's a beautiful day out there today. It is beautiful. It's going to get hot, though. We're, we're looking at 96 or 97, but uh, a little bit of clouds. I Yesterday, Zach, I was... Flipping around, you know, the internet, looking at Facebook and stuff, and I saw this map, and it had uh, El Nino or whatever they call that, and and it had a forecast for the next few weeks, and it said uh, it had a big old green dot, and right on the edge of the green dot was St. George, Utah, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is saying it's going to rain a lot here over the next few weeks. Uh, have you seen that same map? Have you heard the same rumors? Yeah, I mean, we always hope it's going to rain. There's no question. We're very optimistic. And usually those those forecasts out a few weeks, um, you know, they're 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 pretty they're okay. Um, but then when we look at the ten day forecast, it still just looks really dry. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're hoping to get into those monsoonal rains here pretty soon towards you know about mid July, and so I'm hoping that's a good sign showing that we'll have some good monsoonal rains. Yeah, monsoons will they show up? I, they're certainly invited if they bring with them rain. If they only bring lightning, that's actually a bad thing. Uh, as we worry about fires and things like that. But uh, Zach, again, is uh, the uh, CEO or president or manager of the Washington County Water <laughs> Conservancy District. How has it been two years, three years now, Zach? It, so I've been uh, with the water district for almost seven years now. So I was on the board for a little while, and then I. Um, I've been actually working that district for seven, oh, excuse me, three and a half years now, mm-hmm. and I've been the general manager for two and a half. I never did. So get, it's been a while. I never did get to ask you, uh, and I, I just remember you started showing up when Ron Thompson would come, and uh, he and eventually he said something like, "Yeah, uh, Zach is going to be the next." Uh, manager of the water district and I was like oh that's pretty cool but I never asked you how it happened was it like a typical job interview you had to put your application in and go through interviews and stuff oh yeah so they they actually when Ron decided to retire and you know he he'd been doing it for almost 40 years and thought it was time for him to retire so at that time they put out announcements and and they just didn't go locally they really did they put it on some national um, organizations that deal with water and so they kind of did a national-wide search um, they, and they did get applicants from all over, um, the United States, but when you kind of look at it uh, in the job description, it, it, it said, we need somebody that has a strong understanding of engineering, a strong engi- in understanding of legal, and also understands, um, our local system. Hmm. And so with my background, um, I felt very confident about applying. So I applied and, and we went through a big interview process. They did a background check. And uh, fortunately, they chose me. Now you have a, a degree. You have a law degree, do, do you not? Yeah, yeah. So I'm licensed to practice law, yes. Very, very nice. And then uh, you've been involved in local politics and, and local planning for quite some time. Uh, when, when I got the job here to do this, this show, 
One of the things, and I've been friends with Mike McGarry, my predecessor for, I've known Mike since like 1995 or, or 94. And uh, so we were good friends, went on many a road trip together for sports. And uh, as I, uh, as I uh, interviewed and, and received the job, first thing I did was I went to Mike and I said, Mike, can you do me a favor? I, I just need you to take 10 minutes and write down, uh, you know, on a piece of paper, maybe five to 10 pieces of advice you would have for me in, in taking this job. And, uh, it was, it was cool and he did it. And, uh, I still have that. It's actually sitting on my desk right now. I looked at it yesterday, Hmm. Uh, but I'm wondering when, when you, you know, got the job and you knew Ron was retiring and at some point, uh, he was going to be gone and it was going to be you. Did, Did you, did you talk to Ron and say, Hey, Give me kind of your philosophy here, something that I can use. Or were you kind of like, I can do this on my own. I don't need any. I don't. I don't need any advice. Oh no, I I think it's foolish not to ask for advice in in anything. I mean, why not go to somebody and talk to him that has good wisdom? And um, part of the job is we have to travel up to Salt Lake quite a bit, and so I had a, a lot of opportunities to drive up back with Ron and oh, talk good. to him in the car. And yeah, and the one thing that he impressed on me is he said, you know, your job is not for today. Your job is for the future generation. And, mm-hmm. and he, he, he talked about Sand Hollow and Quail Reservoir. And he said, you know, you were in the third grade, Zach, when Sand Hollow was built and Quell, uh, she's at Quell. And you were, you know, in college when, when Sand Hollow was being built. And he says, my generation built that for you and your generation. And he says, it's upon you now and your generation to make sure that the following generation will have safe, reliable drinking water. And that, that really impressed me of thinking, you know what, I know a lot of times we talk about today and what's going on today, but the people that came before us, they were thinking about future generations, and we need to do that, pass that on. So that's probably the one thing that has stuck with me the most is, is not just thinking about today, but thinking about the, our children and their grandchildren, our grandchildren. I know you've you've actually mentioned maybe even the first time you were on this show you you mentioned that uh, you've got young children and and uh, you want them to be able to like you said have have something to drink when they're in St George maybe even uh, stay here and live here and uh, unfortunately the one wild card that neither you or I planned on was the fact that uh, the price of a house in St George is uh, something our kids may never be able to afford at least not until they're our age uh, your age or my age but. Uh, yeah, um, unfortunately, my kids uh, now, let's see, three of them uh, live in, in uh, Provo or Salt Lake area. One of them lives in Cedar City and the other one's on a mission. So so for me, it's like, a, a, I hope they all come back eventually. Uh, and and it's, yeah. good, it's good to know that if they do come back, we'll have water for them. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, my kids are 20 down through the teenage years and, and no, we, we're having discussions about where they might want to live, and I sure hope they live here because um, I want them to live here. But, yeah, you're right. They Kids get to a certain age, but I want to make sure it's their decision or there's some other factor and it's not water making mm-hmm. it so they can't live here. So to that end, Zach, what would you, I mean, we've talked about the, the different reservoirs that are coming uh, in the future. We, of course, the Lake Powell Pipeline is something we still talk about uh, what is the maybe the single most or top two maybe most important things that you need to get done during your tenure so that can happen? So that water isn't the number one issue when, you know, you're trying to decide where to live. Yeah, so I think probably the big thing is just protecting what we have. So 
you know, even though we have some silt in our water um, mm-hmm. and some sand, and so sometimes you look at the Virgin River and it's, it's, it looks like melt chocolate. Yeah. My big thing is we got to protect what we have. And so we're doing, we're spending a lot of time protecting our water sources. So uh, when we test our water, yeah, it has some silts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But when you look at like, volatile organic compounds and some of these other compounds it's they're they're not present so a lot of it is like let's just protect what we want and so one of the things that the district does um, and a lot of people don't realize this but we we spend a lot of time managing that watershed and so for example if somebody up in pine valley wants to get wants to build a cabin we go in and we help them to make sure that their septic system is designed and installed correctly so it doesn't pollute the Santa Clara River or, you know, up on Kolob, above Kolob. So that's a big thing. And, and then um, I guess there's several things is, you know, uh, we're going to have this gap with the Lake Powell Pipeline. And so we have to take our sewer water and start treating it and reusing that water. And so that's that's kind of on our, our t- next 10-year plan is to get that up and going. And it's going to require big, expensive projects, but... If, if we don't do these things, then we're going to run out of water or we're going to destroy what we have. How does, uh, this might be a question way back rudimentary, but maybe maybe some of the listeners don't understand it completely. How does secondary water get back in the system and how do we use it and can we use some of it as a private citizens versus culinary water, versus water that we drink and, and you know, want in our households? What, what's, well, I know what the difference is between the two, but what's the difference in the way they're delivered? So with our, with our primary water, so the water that you're drinking, that comes from two sources. Either it comes from very deep in the ground. Mm-hmm. And that's where we, we just go and drill a hole, and we go down at, at least 300 feet generally or deeper. And so that water's been protected, and as it goes, as the water trickles through the, the stone or the soil, you know, there's a natural process that kind of cleans up. And so, so about, oh, about 40% of our water comes from those deep wells in the ground where we literally kind of go out, find a location where there's good water, drill a hole, and then suck it out of the ground very deep. But then about... You know, the rest of our water comes from Quell and Sand Hollow Reservoir, and that is water that is taken out of the Virgin River uh, near the city, well, the town of Virgin, and we stick it into those two reservoirs and let it sit there. And the only way we can drink that water is if we send it through a fairly sophisticated treatment plant mm-hmm. that, that takes that water and, and purifies it and makes it so it, it's safe to drink. So... So that's how we get our culinary water, our drinking water. Secondary water, um, almost all of it is just basically from streams or rivers that they just divert. And that means it's just water that was on the surface, and we'll put a little structure in the river and divert some of that off, and it goes, you know, it goes right onto the fields. Or sometimes we'll stick it in a pipe a little ways. Um, like Gunlock Reservoir, almost all of that water is used for secondary outdoor water. And so it, there's no treatment system on that. It just sits in Gunlock goes through a pipe, and then it comes up on, on some farmer's field without any treatment. Okay. What, what about if I want to use secondary water in my house in the middle of Middleton, Utah? So you, if you want to do that, um, in Middleton is kind of a little tricky because there's not a lot of infrastructure around. Okay, let, let's go to St. George then instead of okay. Middleton. <laughs> yeah, so generally if, if somebody wants to use secondary water, the, the most important thing right off the bat is they have to have some type of ownership or, or right. So these people that are currently using secondary water, um, like the farmers, mm-hmm. they actually have a, a, a water right or they own a water share. 
that gives them ownership to use that water on that land. And so if, and that's how the farmers get their water. If, if you're an individual resident that wanted to do that, you would really have to work through your municipality. And so there's areas of St. George City, and, and most of the cities have some type of areas where it is, they, they have the plumbing that would allow just residents to tap into that line and utilize that water. Uh, we're planning to expand that quite aggressively because we're planning to put the sewer reuse water in those same lines now. And so it really will depend on your municipality and where you're located within that municipality if you can get access to that second water. But these are completely different pipes from our culinary water, so they wouldn't, they wouldn't cross or have anything to do with each other. Yeah, in fact, there's very, very strict rules. In fact, there's criminal uh, laws that say if you, if you put these two pipes together, you could be charged with crimes because wow. we want to make sure the two never mix. And there's good reasons for that. Um, people have gotten very, very sick when they have been connected. And part of the thing is, is you know, uh, there's some pa- pathogens that, are, that just naturally occur in our water, um, like Giardia, that people can get. And if, if you're a younger child or maybe if you're older or if you mean cauterize, and you get one of these, it could result in death. Yeah. And so, yeah. so the culinary water, we're very, 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 very cautious about treating for these pathogens. We make sure we, we, we take care of the water so it's pure and clean. But the secondary water, it doesn't have any of that. Okay, we've got uh, a couple of folks who have been patient in trying to call. So are you okay to take a call or two real quick, Zach? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, Seth was first so, in line. Seth, go ahead. No more coffee for you. Are you there? I saw you take a sip. And we seem to have lost him. All right. Uh, I don't know what happened there. Uh, let's try one more time. Seth is on with us, I think. Seth, are you there? Uh, hello? Yeah, Seth, go ahead. Uh, speaking of water, uh, there's an announcement on the uh next door uh, neighborhood thing in central that our two pumps have failed in some way and that the only water going to be available it's already in the tanks and they're saying that there are two days uh, worth of water and to conserve and their repair people are on the way and they've already decided that they should buy another backup pump. And so I guess it doesn't really matter if you have water if you can't pump it. Well, that's a good point. That's a good point. What do, you, do you know anything about the situation out there in Central, Zach? You know, I, I heard about this just last night. My phone, but we'll do the best we can. Um, well, the... Uh, I think the point is that uh, all of these systems are dependent upon electricity and availability of parts and diesel fuel to get them here and repairmen who are competent to replace them who are willing to come and do the job. Yeah, yeah, good point. So it's not necessarily uh, the amount of water. Oh, by the way, I did see the same monsoon report on the Weather Channel. Yeah, I hope it comes true, right? Okay, well, uh, yes, we're we're in dire straits as far as sub, you know, uh, water for our plants to grow and everything is, you know, we're in dire need. But the point I'm trying to make is that 
not just the water, the uh, ability to deliver it to your tap. Yeah, you're absolutely right about that. I appreciate that. I got to run. I got like three people on hold. Thank you, sir. Thanks for calling. Yeah, you're on with Zach Renstrom and Andy this morning. What's on your mind? Good morning. Morning. Zach, how you doing? Um, Anyway, so I I live over in the Hurricane-Leverkin area, and I know that five years ago we were on about an 11-day rotation in the Hurricane Fields for irrigation water. We went to 12 and then 14. This This year we're at 23 days between water turns. Uh, I mean, so that gives you some idea of how dire the the drought situation is and how much we need to conserve. But then you read in the paper, Hurricane City just issued 7,000 new building permits. Mm. So why am I conserving, conserving, conserving just so that the county and the city has more water they can sell to somebody that might here, move here from California and vote for them? It's wrong. If we're in that kind of a condition and I've lost, I've lost eight days in between r- r- water turns, why are we not cutting building permits back exponentially just the exact same rate? This is what's called theft. You're stealing my property right. I, I mean, I, I own that share of water. It belongs to me, and everything I don't use is a, is a gift to you, but that doesn't mean you all of a sudden own it now. I want, I want back on my 11-day rotation. 23 days is too darn long. You, 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 you know, people complain about water in their lawns two or three times a week. Go 23 days between lawn watering. I mean, do the math. That's huge. Yeah, good point. Zach, any thoughts? Yeah, and so uh, this is an area that I actually have great sympathy for him. And just so he knows right now, and I I can't tell if he he lives in Leverkin or Hurricane, those systems operate a little bit different. But, like, right now in the Hurricane Bench area, 100% of that water is going to those canal companies. So we're not taking any water from the Virgin River right now, and we're delivering all that water to those farmers because he's exactly right that he, that, that canal company owns those water shares, and so they, 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 have, they have the entitled to that, and so we're, we're delivering all that. On the Leverkin system, so on the Leverkin system, they get their water from a little spring. It's called Toker, Toker Springs, and it's a, it's a really good, reliable spring. But it, it has variations on it. And so right now, with Toker Springs, you know, Laver can get some water, Her can get some water, um, Tokerville gets some water, and, and the irrigators get a certain amount of water, and that spring has dropped off. And so the district is not taking any water from the Laverkin Spring, excuse me, the Tokerville Spring right now. Pretty much Hurricane's taking their entitled amount, Laverkin's taking their title amount, the city of Tokerville's taking their amount, and then all the rest of that is going to those sec- to those farmers, um, and and we're in that drought scenario. So um, when we end these scenarios, we we operate our system a little bit differently, um, and we're taking all our drinking water right now from Sound Hollow and Quell, and we're not taking any water from any of those farmers right now because they're entitled to that, and we're we're actually trying to help figure out how to get them more water right now. Well, I, I actually have water shares in both Leverkin and Hurricane, and they are a different oh, okay. system. But Leverkin has cut us back at least fifty percent on our water on our water rotation. We 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 can only water at night because we we're sprinkled we're ir, or sprinkled in Leverkin, and we're flood in Hurricane, so we can't water during the day. And when that first system was first put in, we were promised that we could water anytime we wanted. But I I totally get the the evaporation by sprinkling in the day it's it's a non-issue for me i'll water at night i don't i don't really care but 
it still kills me when they're telling us to cut, cut back, conserve, conserve, conserve. But you never, if you've ever attended a city council meeting, slowing down building permits is never, ever on the table. Hmm. And, and, and the more water I conserve in Laverkin means that there's more water that stays in the pipe, more water that goes to Sand Hollow and Quail Lake. And the fuller those two lakes stay is the more water you guys have to sell for building permits to somebody that might move here from California and vote for you. And why don't we worry about the people that are already here that voted you into position in the first place? Yeah. Well, that's my point. Yeah, so, no, and it's, it's a very valid point. Now, just so people know, when the far, so how, how that system set up, Laverkin and Hurricane, when they request that water, they get 100% of what they want. And we only take, the like, the spring runoff and stuff like that. And so, unfortunately, the Virgin River right now is uh, quite a bit lower than average. Um, for the runoff, and that's one of the reasons why they're experiencing it. But the question he had about when the cities start talking about these issues, um, I think that is a discussion that the cities definitely need to have and talk about. Um, as a district, we have we have no say in any of that, uh, but I think it's a very valid thing that they should be talking about it very actively. Now, let's take one more phone call before we go to the uh, weather forecast. Uh, hi, you're on with Andy and with Zach Renstrom today. What's on your mind? Good morning, Zach. Good morning, Andy. You know, this morning. is a recur- this is a recurring theme that many of us have talked about for uh, for many years now, and it's about the growth that is allowed to go unchecked in this area. And those of us who already live here are being told that we have to conserve, we have to reduce. Why would we reduce our usage to the point where it becomes uh, to it affects our standard of living simply so we can grow? And, Zach, I know you've just said that, you know, this isn't uh, an area that you have any influence over. Well, so who does, and why is it that they continue to grow? Mayor Randall has already said many times, we are not going to have a moratorium. We are not going to reduce the growth. I just simply want, Zach, you and, and Andy and everybody listening to just acknowledge the idiocy that's going on in this area. We continue to grow and grow and grow and ask those of us who are already here to use less and less and less. So what we're going to do is we're going to wind up having way more people here than the water supply can handle, and then what? Let's do something about it today, not after the whole thing blows up. Let me ask you a question, though. What would you propose, a moratorium on building? Because last thing we need is more laws, and and you know, and, and then you're talking about construction companies that can't employ people, uh, and then you're talking about people who own land who aren't allowed to build on it. I, I mean, I, I I feel what you're saying, and and I somewhat agree with you, but I'm not sure that there's a good answer to your question. There is a good answer. The problem is the moneyed people in this area refuse to acknowledge the reality of limited resources in this area. Hmm. Yes, of course we should have a moratorium on building. It's not forever, but how about we do it for the next 90 days or the next 120 days just so we can take a breath and figure out where in the world we are? Andy, it's not the end of the world if we don't build another house in this area that's going to tap into the water supply that is dwindling as we speak. Look at Lake Mead. It's at its lowest level ever. Look at Lake Powell. It's draining by the day. When are people going to realize you can't grow unlimited without it having a dramatic effect on all of us who are already here? 
I don't really care about the people who are going to move here. I do care about the people who are already here that are being majorly impacted by the fact that we have allowed uh, unlimited growth with, with apparently no consequences. Yes, Andy, we should have a moratorium. Three months, six months, whatever it is. But we need to stop doing what is draining our water supply. Okay. All right. Got another phone call. Thank you for the call today, Steve. Good to talk to you. Hey, you're on with Andy and with Zach. How are you today? Good morning, guys. Uh, Don Santa Clara. Thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, I'm actually finally getting on the secondary system, so thank you guys again for that. Uh, but but uh, something that I was talking to one of my neighbors about, who's a beekeeper, he was telling me back in 76 and 77, 77 they didn't have a drop the entire year. Wow. So they were wondering what they were going to do about water. But then in 78, it rained so much, you would swear that Santa Clara Hills were in the middle of Ireland because it was so green. <laughs> so the, the problem we have here is uh, feast and famine, and it'd be sure nice to, to be able to... I, I know I'm banging this drum again, Zach, but it'd be nice to see if we can build another dam somewhere to catch some more of that, that shed that we get in uh, Santa Clara and on the Virgin just to get mm-hmm. more of that. I, I know we're, we're looking like an act of God, but I'm, I'm also looking at what it would take to build a pipeline to Powell. I'm just wondering, you know, why, why there's such a discrepancy between the two. Sure. So right now we are actively under construction for a new reservoir um, on, up in Tokerville. Um, we're actively designing, well, we're actively designing two reservoirs and in the environmental re- review process for a fourth one. And then we are working for, and a lot of people refer to it, the Warner Valley Reservoir. We're also actively working on that. Um, unfortunately, and, and this, I have to be careful not to get on my soapbox because this drives me nuts, is the sure. environmental review process now in the United States is so draconian mm and has nothing to do with the environment, absolutely nothing to do with the environment. But we have to go through this bureaucratic mess that takes years and millions of dollars for each new reservoir that's, that's installed and so, or in the process. And so that just takes some time. But we, we do have several um, reservoirs right now that we hope to start constructing. In 10 years, my goal is to have four new reservoirs in this county. Now, if the environmental process and bureaucrats stop me, there's nothing I can do about that but fight. But I hope to have four new ones because he's exactly right. We have our, our system here is floods, drought, floods, drought. And the only way to overcome that is to have large storage projects. Hmm. Right. But, but I also was noticing that uh, there was a prospect for another one in Santa Clara somewhere for a secondary reuse water. Am I yeah, correct so on that one? Yeah, so we call that uh, graveyard wash, which is okay. – um, uh, it's right there next to this city, um, not in the city offices, but they have that, that public works building. Um, and so basically the dam would be right there and would kind of go up that wash right there. And that reservoir sure. would be filled with reuse water from the sewer treatment plant. Or if it's a really wet year, we'll take water from Gunlock and put it into that reservoir and store it. Hallelujah. No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm liking where we're going with this. I just want to make sure I'm on the right track. Yeah. All right. No, thanks. You absolutely are. Thank you, guys. Thanks for calling, Don. Appreciate it. Uh, Got to get that commercial break. <laughs> yeah. That weather break that I promised uh, six minutes ago, or actually seven minutes ago. Zach, Carrie is here. She will carry the ball from here on out. Thank you for uh, spending a little time with us today. I know it wasn't easy today, but it's really good to talk to you. <laughs> 
Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Uh, Zach Renstrom, manager of the Washington County Water Conservancy District. Carrie will join us in just a minute. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Welcome back, 941 KDXU. Thanks for those that have participated so far in the program. Uh, Zach's actually on the road, and so uh, we were lucky to get him for some of the time. Actually, he ended up doing half the show. Uh, Carrie Rafji is with me now. Carrie is the Communications and Government Affairs Director over at the Water Conservancy District. District. Thank you, Carrie, for coming on. Of course. You're much better looking than Zach. Well, I was perfectly content to let Zach just continue talking from the road. I thought he was doing a great job. So He, he literally was about to lose cell service, so he pulled over <laughs> and he was talking to me on the side of the road. And in every once, I don't know if you could hear it on the phone. Every once in a while, you hear a car go zooming by, and I thought, I don't believe it. I think uh, we should call him back and tell him to finish the show. Well, the last thing we need <laughs> is to, for him to get hit by a truck while he's talking on the phone on the radio. Exactly. So, no, we uh, want to keep Zach safe for sure. Zach, Zach is funny because he he's, he always said, I don't want to get on my soapbox. I don't want to talk about the Environmental Protection Agency and, and and all the things that have to happen for you to get permission to do stuff. But you can tell there's definitely some frustration there and, and carrie when, when we when we see these reports and they used to be you know 50 to 100 pages and now they're 1500 pages there's something wrong there isn't there well it's interesting um zach's predecessor ron thompson used to always say that the environmental permitting is is specifically designed to, to be a short concise document (laughs) and i think we would all agree that it's anything but short and concise now it is um you could fill a room with some of the environmental reports that we have done in preparation for our projects and it's extremely expensive and it takes a lot of time Mm. and that's one of the reasons why it's so important for our water managers throughout the state of utah to be so proactive with planning it takes you got decades yeah. to get the permits to build 10, the projects 20, 30 that 30 years ahead don't you exactly so one of the criticisms that, that we occasionally hear is wait to build the project until you need it mm. and unfortunately we just don't have that luxury can't do it we can't mm. so the environmental review process is important it serves a purpose we support it but there are abundant opportunities to streamline the process, and we support those as well. So, What do you think, and I'm just asking you to speculate at this point, but what do you think we lost our way when it comes to that kind of thing? Because it, it has become so bloated, so excessive. Uh, I mean, he was telling me one time that, you know, they've got to have biologists come out and they've got to have this person and that person come out and certify things and do lengthy studies. And, and I mean, it just seems like to me... And I'm all for, okay, you know, we don't want species to go extinct and we don't want this, that, or the other thing. But it seems like to me we've lost our way when it comes to the EPA and and, and all these reports and and studies we have to do. I think it started with really good intentions. Mm -hmm. I agree. And and I think that's important to remember. Everything was created to serve a core purpose and a a core function. Mm -hmm. I think that as those roles have expanded beyond that initial scope, sometimes it creates opportunities for overreach. And that might be some of the problems that we're experiencing. But 
Is it important? Of course. We love the environment. We live here. We want to protect our resources. We want to protect the habitat and the species. But there has to be a balance in how things are done. And um, it's, it's, it's the process that we have to follow. But So you're saying there's no end in, they're not going to fix it anytime soon. It is above my pay grade, Andy. <laughs> Big time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yours and mine both. That yeah. goes much higher than me. I know, I know that it's a. Sh- it's not just us. You know, all of the water providers throughout the nation. I mean, if you're if you're in Nevada, if you're in California, all of us are dealing with the same regulation and yeah. and trying to to work around it as as best as we can to continue to do our jobs, which is to make sure we have a safe, reliable water supply. Well, I agree with you that there were good intentions involved in it. And probably some at some level, there still are really good intentions involved with those reports. However, uh, there are a lot of, uh, there's a lot of red tape. Hey, the government red tape there. I said it. <laughs> That's, and, and I would agree with that too. There's, like I said, there's definitely opportunities to streamline the process and it would be beneficial for all of us to do so. Give us an idea, we're talking about, you know, planning stuff, of how early you have to plan something. Warner Valley Reservoir is right now still a couple years away, right? Yeah, we don't really have a definite timeline for Warner Valley Reservoir. Um, Zach was talking previously about this, um, the regional reuse system that we're looking at. Right. Um, Eventually, that will become a key component in that project, but right now we're focusing on some of those smaller reservoirs that will allow us to operate that system. Um, but Warner Valley Reservoir, um, geez, that that was part of the plans that date back to before the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so now it has been abandoned. It was studied and abandoned and studied sure, and sure. abandoned, and that kind of continues to be the trend. There are some issues that need to be worked out there. It continues to be in our long-term planning horizon, and it continues to, to be um, an important feature that we're going to need to add to the system. We need a large reservoir to store the, mm-hmm. the, the treated um, wastewater that Zach was talking about any additional secondary water that we can get out of the system. And so we, we will need a large storage facility. But that, that's, yeah, that's years out. Do you, do you have any guess as to when we started to really get serious about the Warner Valley Reservoir? Like, like has it been 10 years or 5 years or 15 years? Or like when it really was, okay, we need to do this. It's a real project. It's cyclical. And it's cyclical because, for example, for a long time, we really thought um, that our focus was on the Lake Powell Pipeline. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we talked know, about it a lot on this show. Of course. We've yeah. talked about it a lot everywhere, and mm-hmm. as we should. Um, but the Lake Powell Pipeline, you know, when, when the state proposed the Lake Powell Pipeline to us, there was ample water in the system. Right. And Utah had a, you know, a, a secure water right, and so we have started down that path. Now, understandably, we aren't in as good of a position today as we were yeah, back things then. Have, things have changed Things a bit. have changed just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and so we have modified our plans. The, the reuse system is now taking um, priority, not that both projects aren't both equally important, but the reuse system is actually taking the priority right now, and so some of our attention is shifting onto projects that are more feasible to accomplish in a shorter amount of time to bridge the gap, you know, when, when um, additional projects might be able to come online. Um, Tokerville Reservoir, 
uh, I think it's pretty cool, you know, because yeah. we had the, the Ash Creek Reservoir that would empty and, you know, drain out and empty and drain out and, and fill. And, uh, but now we're going we're gonna, to, you know, consistently capture that in Tokerville Reservoir. How long has that been in the works? I mean, are we talking 20 years? Tokerville Reservoir, yeah, it's been, that system has been almost 20 years of study. Hmm. And it's a fairly small project. You're talking about, yeah. um, you know, a, a pipeline that's less than 20 miles mm-hmm. that's taking water that's being lost, you know, that's being lost downstream. to seepage yeah. downstream and storing it in a reservoir that has a proper containment um, that will allow us to, to keep and store that water and use it. Yeah. And you're you're talking again years of study and and millions of dollars. And so. Um, hmm. Again, it's just part of the process, and we understand that, and we respect that. But it does require us to be extremely proactive in our planning. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it reminds me, yes, you have to have a root canal. We are going to stab you in the gums and then drill on your face, and you have to be patient and take it because in the long run, it's good for you. That's that's what an EPA EPA study is. is you know, if you if you look at the history of any civilization, including right here in beautiful Washington County, mm-hmm. when when Quail Creek was proposed in the 80s, you had people saying, we will never take a drink of water from Quail Creek Reservoir. You had cities that hmm. protested it. Really? And so... Good thing we have it now. It's, huh? it's interesting because literally, especially right now in this drought, we survive off of the water stored in those reservoirs. Yeah. And it's funny because... A lot of water projects are criticized, and and then they're completed, and the community realizes how instrumental they are to our daily life, and and so they're accepted. But but securing water projects, I mean, even we're talking about the environmental issues, but even some of the public perception. True. You know, we we've had a lot of conversations this morning about growth and. You know, should a community continue to develop water resources to allow for ongoing economic expansion and, and continued growth? And right. these are these are big questions and, and, and important discussions that we're having. We had, uh, I remember when they were kind of making the rounds about the Lake Powell Pipeline and public comment, and there were a lot of people that were angry that, you know, we would spend the money. Well, Lake Powell Pipeline for, is on hold, at least for now. I don't know if that's a good way to term it. But. Well, it's not necessarily on hold, but it's slowed down in the process a little bit. Yeah. But we're continuing to work on the environmental studies. Um, we are so grateful. We received so many thoughtful comments during that public comment period. And so we are now going through the process of reviewing those comments and providing answers. And and this will make for a stronger environmental analysis. It will make for a stronger document. And, and we understand and appreciate these opportunities for, for public input. So it'll, it'll be a better project because of the time that we're taking to address some of the questions that we've received in the, in the comments. I think if and when it is done, I think that everybody will, will be really kind of like, like you were saying. They'll be like, oh, I'm so, I don't know how do we live without it. But until then, uh, we have the growing pains to deal with and, and worry do. about. So let me get a commercial in, Carrie. Okay. Uh, and uh, when we come back, we'll wrap up the show and take some more phone calls. I have a couple of texts I want to get to as well as people uh, weighing in on the topic of the day. So hang with This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned to KDXU for my show at 6 p.m. today. Welcome back. Andy Griffin with you live. We're talking water today here on the Andy Griffin Show. Zach was 
here for a little while. Now Carrie is here. Thank you, Carrie, for coming on today again. Appreciate you. Anytime. She got the, she literally got the word uh, as the show was about to start. Oh, by the way, you're on in a few minutes. And uh, you didn't break any laws driving across town, did you? Of course not. No. Yeah. Well, Bluff Street's 45 now, so you can go pretty <laughs> fast anyway. So, uh, again, thanks for coming on. Uh, a couple of texts. And, by the way, if you want to call 673-5890, we're short on time, but we'll get to as many calls and texts as we can. Uh, turn the music down. Okay, a uh, couple of calls, let's, or a couple of texts. Uh, car wash is going up everywhere. How much water does a car wash use? It seems like this is a bad location for a car wash, Carrie. You know, it's interesting. A lot of the um, municipal ordinances that we're working on in collaboration with our cities are actually going through the process of studying this issue. Some of our cities have issued um, temporary or permanent uh, moratoriums on car wash facilities, and if they have not, they have limited how much water that car wash yeah, I heard that. facility yeah. can use. So right now they're looking at 20 gallons per vehicle washed, which is less than the industry standard for um, hmm. for car wash facilities, and, and we're working with those car wash facilities to to recycle and reuse and reduce the amount of water they're using. Is, is Do they have, current car washes, do they have a system to recapture some of that water? Because if you're going to, like, a self-serve one and you're spraying your car down, it seems like it all goes down through that grate and then it's gone forever, but... Self-serve car washes are actually really efficient. I don't know if you're anything okay. like me, but when you're paying 25 cents per... <laughs> yeah, you got you, you go yeah. really fast. Uh, you're right. <laughs> so, you're right. So self- I don't want to put another quarter <laughs> in. Exactly. I mean, you're hustling. When that starts beeping, you're uh. moving. So, um, so those are actually really water efficient, and all of that, that water is captured into the storm drain system. That will become um, part of the water that we could potentially reuse in the future as okay. we expand our our. our wastewater treatment and cool. our secondary water systems. A couple other questions. We're down to the last couple of minutes. Uh, let me see if I can get the wording right. I had to read this carefully. Uh, can we set zoning or stop changing zoning laws to not load the land with houses on top of each other? That's a, that is a municipal decision. Mm-hmm. That is our elected officials determine the master plan um, zoning for municipalities. And, of course, there is the opportunity to reconsider zoning, but that's done at the municipal level. The water district isn't involved in that. Do they take uh, advice or counsel from the water district? Can you go to a city council and say, we would recommend you slow down the building? Uh, would they even consider that if you said that to them? I think I think we have a great collaboration with our municipalities. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is is that they have to balance between the economic impacts of a no growth or a slowed growth scenario and mm-hmm. what that would do in terms of the cost of living, our unemployment, uh, you know, and so forth. And so they have a really and, and by the way, let me interrupt. Uh, Carrie made a good point off air when she came in here. If we put a moratorium on building said you can't build for 90 days or, or something you know what would happen to house prices i mean the law of supply and demand house prices you think they're bad now they would go through the roof no we, pun intended we have looked at communities that have adopted a slow growth or a no growth scenario and almost consistently the cost of living does increase significantly mm. and so our we have wonderful elected officials but they bear the burden of making these tough choices of, you know, do we want to continue to, um, you know, continue to grow at a more moderate pace and so that we don't have an economic disturbance and 
man, that's a tough, that's a, that's a, that's that's a fine line to walk. And there's, there's pros and cons to both. And there's people that support growth. There's people that don't support growth. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a burden undoubtedly, but it's not a topic that's unique to, to Washington County. That's a conversation that's being had in every community in the Southwest that's dealing with tremendous population growth and a limited water resource. Okay. We've got one minute left, Carrie. Okay. Uh, The question is, uh, I heard that Leverkin is pumping water to Las Vegas. Is there any truth to that rumor? No, not that I'm aware of. I was going to say, I haven't heard that. I I don't, uh, I haven't heard that. I am not mindful of that. I don't know how they would be pumping water to Las Vegas, especially when the system is dealing with shortages and can't satisfy their current uses. But I... Good point. Good point. That's she's Carrie Rathje. She uh, filled in admirably today. Did a fantastic job, and we're unfortunately out of time. But Carrie, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate you speeding across town and helping us out. We'll uh, step aside tomorrow. Mayor Nanette Billings from Hurricane City will be with us and uh, talk about some of these issues we were just talking about: growth and zoning and uh, houses loaded on top of one another. That's all tomorrow. Thanks for listening.